Bonjour. Je m'appelle Chuck. Qu'est-ce que tu as? Je suis pasteur New Hope Community Church. The rest, je ne sais pas. Four years of French, that's what I have. Uh, I, I, know how to, I know what I have to ask. WC Public? <laughs> that, that, where? where, uh, where uh, is, that, okay, uh, is that how they say it now? Yeah. Where's the bathroom? All right, so uh, that's all you have to know. Uh, so why am I speaking in French? You'll find out in just a minute. Next week, well, welcome to New Hope Community Church. And uh, whether you're watching live or live stream, I know we have people scattered all over the place, but they're watching. I just saw Linda Rohrbeck yesterday in Lebanon, and she says hi to everybody. And I know, hi, Linda, I know she's watching too, watches every week, loves it. So, uh, so everybody's all over the place. So, but um, uh, next week we'll be back in the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 20. Today we have a special guest couple, Mike and Karen DeJena from France. They, I found out last week they're going to be coming, so so excited you guys could be here. So I've asked them to come and share their ministry, and Mike's going to be sharing from the Word. So, uh, uh, Oh, and one other thing I can't forget is that the um, <clears throat> first Friday... First Friday is this Friday. If anybody can make it, that'd be awesome. We meet at the pray at the Planned Parenthood there. And uh, any questions, talk to me or Terry Noble. I don't think Terry's here today, but you know how to get a hold of her. Talk to me, and we'll get you lined up. So uh, prayer at First Friday, okay? So come on up, uh, Mike, Karen, and so excited to have you guys here. Let's give a a, a French welcome. <laughs> Pas mal. Not bad. Not bad, Chuck. That's great. Well, I'm going to do a lot of talking today, so I'm going to hand it over to Karen to share a little bit about our ministry, and then I'll close with a, a word after that. Good morning. So Mike's going to be preaching today in the book of Revelation. And if you haven't noticed, our theme is about heaven. And Chuck, I want to say the last time I was here, you preached and you had us do something that I've never forgotten and will never forget. You had us all blink. So I'm going to ask you to blink. Just go ahead. Blink. Did you do it? Okay, do it again. Blink. Chuck, do you remember? I don't remember. Ah! <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> You had us do that because you said that's what this life is mm-hmm. in, re- in comparison to eternity. Yes. Do it one more time. Blink. That's what this life is in comparison to eternity. And I've thought about that so many times because that's why we're here. That's why we're in France, right? Because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses is in First Peter. The goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Thanks, Chuck. I will never forget. You don't often forget. I remember a lot of what pastors say, right? But, but I remember that. So thank you for that. That's been an encouragement to me. So if you receive our prayer news, our newsletters, our last one was all about growth. And um, if you don't receive our prayer letters and you would like to, talk to me afterwards. I'll get your email. But I just briefly, in the next couple of minutes, I just want to um, encourage you. Thank you for supporting us with your finances, with your prayers, with your encouragement, because there's been a lot of growth. So one thing I want to mention, we left for France in 1997. So we've been there on August, on September 17th. This year, it will be 25 years that we have served in France. So 
and the God, God has been faithful to us every step of the way to, with the support that we've needed, with growth of the ministries that we're in, in, in so many ways. So we're so thankful. We praise God for his faithfulness to us. When we arrived in 1997, the evangelical church population in France was 0.5% 25 years ago. And praise God, his faithfulness is so evident because now, 25 years later, um, the evangelical church population in France is 1.6%. Okay, so little little bit, but three times. That's, that's 300% growth. So we are so thankful. The soil for the gospel in France is very, very hard. So thank you for your prayers for the gospel. It is growing little by little, just by comparison. And I know we're, not, we're comparing apples to oranges here, but the evangelical population in the United States is, they say, between 20 and 24%. So you can just see the, um, the very little bit of gospel ministry there that is growing and bearing fruit. So praise God for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your prayers. Growth. Our team has grown. We um, are adding a new member on our team in September. We arrive back on Wednesday. She arrives Thursday. So we're getting ready to welcome her to our team. So praise God, we have four units on our team now working in Lyon. Our ministries are growing. So the French church plant continues to grow in number and spiritual maturity. We are about, we doubled through COVID. So we're about 120 people now. We continue to really look for a place to meet, a permanent place to meet. You can pray for that. Um, the interna- international church plant is growing. Uh, we praise God. That that lessened by half during COVID. <laughs> so so now we're we're growing again. So we're very thankful for that ministry. The Hope Alliance ministry, uh, reaching out to the victims of human trafficked women in prostitution. That's growing. We were just given right out a big camping car uh, van that we're getting all rehabilitated to um, serve. Uh, the, as they go out and meet the women in the streets there. So we're so thankful for that gift. Um, and, you know, as we wait, as we blink, right, in this life, and we wait for our eternal home, um, it's all about personal growth. So we pray that Mike and I can be growing, and all of us in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ every day. So we're so thankful. And lastly, our kids have grown, <laughs> and that's why we're here, because we just took our youngest to college last two weeks ago mm-hmm. two weeks ago so they're all doing well williams 23 working in chicago area alexander praise god is doing well he's 21 working on an oil platform off the coast of southern california he's a commercial diver and then eliza elizabeth is her real name but anyway i like using eliza is a freshman at wheaton so we dropped her off and we returned to france on tuesday so thank you for your prayers thank you for your love your support mm-hmm. and um yeah we just love you thank you I'm heading right into the message. Is that right? Am I doing the right thing to go right into the message? Thank you. Great. Yeah, thank you. It is so good to be here. You know, this last summer we were here, it was a, it was a home assignment visit. This is really a, a bonus visit. It's a family visit to, visit, of course, get to Lisa to college. But, of course, you know, we have parents that are aging. My dad needed a, needs a procedure for his heart valve. We were able, I was able to be here with him for some testing and stuff, so it's been great to be with family. So this has been a family visit. Of course, it is, it's still a family visit even as we're here this morning because this is the family of God. And of course, our, our desire is to see God's family grow. And that's why we're in France. That's why you're here. And we partner together in the gospel. I don't know about you, but um, if you've gotten the sense, there, there's certainly a lot of uh, disorder in the world. Would you agree with me? Lots of disorder. 
economic disorder, emotional disorder, political disorder, law and order disorder. Boy, it's just really discouraging, isn't it? It's just full, we are discouraged by those things. And last year in the international church, I serve as one of the leaders there. And um, I'm on the preaching roster. And we went through the book of Revelation. And everyone was kind of in fear and troubling about going through the book of Revelation. Because, you know, there's a lot of tough stuff there. Things that are not easy to understand. But we were so encouraged. Everyone, every Tuesday night after the Sunday message, we'd get together for Bible study. And the thing that I heard the most as we talked about the scriptures and and Revelation in particular is like, they said, you know, I didn't expect to be as encouraged as I am by what we're reading here. I thought it was going to be really hard, but I see it's really practical. And you're going to see some of that today as we look at the book of Revelation, in particular, chapter 21. And um, as I studied, and of course, uh, when, when I wrote Chuck, and I said, hey, we're going to be in the area. would love to stop by and uh, just worship with you and enjoy the pleasure of the family. And he said, would you like to preach? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> so, but this is a, what we say in French, this is a plat rechauffé. This is a reheated dish. <laughs> so this is a message that I gave on Revelation a number of months ago. Uh, at the International Church, and I'm giving it to you. And it's just like that. Uh, um, Chuck asked me, and I thought, boy, do I have something? And then I I thought, yeah, I I think Revelation chapter 21, Lord, I think you're leading me to that. So I read it over, and I said, I think this is the message that God is calling me to give here. And uh, so that's that's what it is. And as I read through the the chapter of, of chapter 21 of Revelation a few times, the first idea that came to mind was, a new order. Talk about disorder. A new order. Chapter 21 follows the complete judgment of God. If you read the book of Revelation, there's a lot of judgment. After chapter 5, the judgment begins. And it doesn't end really till chapter nine, uh, 20. And then 21, there we are. And God ushers in the new reality. The new order. And nothing old will remain. Nothing. Everything is new, a new heaven, a new earth. It's a new order. It's the new order. And as I thought about like this message and what would I title it, of course, the, the, the thing that came to mind was the first order. If you've watched Star Wars, you know what that is. But I thought, what, what, what am I going to title this message? Should I title it the, the final order? God's final order? I thought, well, I don't want to link it too much to fictional reality because this is true reality. And so the best way to title it, as far as I could tell, was this is God's new order. This is it described in one chapter. God's new order. When that reality is ushered in, you can be sure that it will look like nothing that anyone or anything in the whole creation has ever experienced. And we're going to take time to read this chapter in its entirety. I'm going to read it all at once. And and you remember what it says in the first part of the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, just the simple reading of the Revelation out loud will bless you. It will bless you. And, you know, the church at the time, what they did is they came together and they listened to the reading of these epistles, of these letters, of these books out loud. 
they didn't have necessarily the text in their possession. So they listened. And through it they were blessed. And there is a particular blessing in the book of Revelation. And so let's read chapter 21 together. Chapter 21, starting at verse 1. I'm going to read through the entirety of the chapter. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the names, the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold measured to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod. 12,000 stadia, the length and width and the height are equal. He also measured its walls, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agat, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophras, which I don't even know what it is, the eleventh jacinth, twelfth amethyst. Amethyst, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the streets of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. 
And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, the God, the Lord, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives its light, give it, gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and the gates will never be shut by day and there will be no more night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations but nothing, nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There you have it, the reading of God's word. I can sit down right now and we can, we can dismiss We can dismiss because there is blessing in just hearing God's word and this particular new order that is described here. And in a sentence, if I were to summarize this chapter in a sentence, which I often try to do when I do a message, is I try to summarize what I've read, and I use that as the basis for what I'm going to say, for the outline. And here's here's how I've condensed these 27 verses in one sentence. Are you ready? God's new order will change everything forever, and that is gloriously bright news in a desperately disordered world. I'm going to repeat that. God's new order will change everything forever, and that is gloriously bright news in a desperately disordered world. Before we move forward, let's pray. God in heaven... I give you thanks for your revelation, this revelation. Boy, do we need it. We need to hear you speak because in your words there is life and there is hope and there is what we need in order for our faith to grow and there is love, faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel. Through your word we receive it. We pray that you give us your spirit that we might, as John, see things the way he saw them for our day, that we might glorify you, enjoy you, and proclaim you in this world and benefit from all your riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. First point, God's new order will change everything forever. Isn't that good news? God's new order will change everything forever. Heaven and earth will have a completely new look. Now, I've been always fascinated by by cars and and the evolution of cars and evolution of the models of cars. And past models can be thrilling to see. And perhaps you saw some of them just a few weeks back at the New Hope Auto Show. I didn't go, but I heard about it. But there's something about the new models that is just captivating, at least for me. I mean, I like looking at the old models, but when I see a new model, I'm just captivated. I'm an Italian, so I like to drive. So cars mean something to me. But the new model of heaven and earth will be incomparable and nothing like it has ever been seen. Absolutely captivating when we read these verses. And the first thing to notice in the novelty is what's not there. Did you notice what's not there? And for those of you who just come from the beach this summer, you're going to be maybe a little disappointed. (laughs) What's not there is there's no sea. So if you're a beachgoer, you're like, whoa. What does that mean? And I know a lot of you are beachgoers because, you know, we're pretty close to the Jersey Shore. But more seriously, I'll attempt to give an interpretation. 
I believe this is a way of saying, no more see, this is a way of saying in the new order, no more judgment. Because when's the last time that the earth was a sea completely covered after the judgment in Noah's time? Completely covered. Absolute judgment of the earth. In this text, no more sea. The judgment is done because it's already fallen ultimately on Christ to bring new life and the new order that is described here. Isn't that glorious? Now, I didn't see it in any commentaries, but I think I'm on to something. No sea, no more judgment. Isn't that glorious? God's judgment is done. The old order of heaven and earth will never be seen again. Think of the relief that that, that brings to all of creation. Because what do we know about all of creation in our present world? The current order, that is our order, what happens? What's happening with the creation? The creation is suffering. Do you remember what Paul says to the Romans? We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We feel that groaning, don't we? In our world. I heard it from you when I talked about the desert order. It's there. Well, it's not going to be there anymore. No more groaning. This is a new order. In the new order, nothing will deprive the creation of the freedom that God has always intended. The freedom from the corruption that sin, that our sin, individually and corporately has brought into the created order. Why is there disorder in the world? Because sin brought disorder into the world. Not just any old sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of man, of mankind. That's why we are where we are. We're all created in God's image. We're all marred in that image because of sin. And the world looks like what it looks like because of that. And Christ came to change all of that and make all things new. Think of the relief to humans. No more evil. None of its terrible consequences. This is what I would call the order of the neither nor. This is the neither nor order. No more neither nor. No more crying. Neither mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. We see it there in verse 4. This is uninhibited freedom. You want uninhibited freedom? This is where you'll find it. And, and here's a question for you. What, when are you truly free? I could say a lot about that. When are, we tr- when are we truly free? Here's what I would propose as one answer. I think there's a lot of facets to it. But we are free when we can live without fear. We are free when we can live without fear. And I have a, you know, well, I should say this first. Think of our confident freedom in God's presence. Think of our confident freedom in God's presence. I have a great reminder. I'm going to go back to the seashore because I loved the seashore growing up as a kid. I have a poignant memory of my first experience on the seaside as, uh, on the beach as a child. It was Long Branch, New Jersey. That's where we used to go, Long Branch, New Jersey. I have great memories of it. But I also have memories of going up to the surf and being so fearful of even putting my feet into the water. And, you know, the first time you go to the surf, if, you have, if you're not used to it, you get kind of dizzy. As I got closer to the surf, I would get dizzy by the movement of the waves and stand trembling before the size of these immense waves. And then what happened? I was fearful. I did not want to go in. Then my dad comes alongside and he picks me up. And he walks me into the water. He's got me, and I'm holding on tight. But he's got me. And that fear slowly turned into joy and into just delight 
of the waves and the water. You know, I love going to the beach. I love, I'll swim in the water for hours. I just love it. But it was my father, my dad, who helped me overcome my fear so I can enjoy the freedom of the beauty of the ocean. That's the image of the confidence that we will have when God is with us as described here in this chapter, and particularly in verse 3. This is the great fulfillment. You know, everything links together. This is the great fulfillment of Emmanuel, God with us. Do you remember that? We celebrate it. We're going to celebrate it in a few months at Advent. God with us. The verse is clear. God will be present with us in everything. Our Father will be near. There will be no more fear. There will be complete freedom. The new order will be as beautiful as a wedding ceremony. Now, there's, there's a few in this house that have just celebrated a wedding ceremony, and I think there's more coming, if I understand, in the Wilson family. A wedding is a high and holy moment for all and full of beauty. And these images remind us of the marriage supper of the Lamb that was mentioned back in chapter 19, verse 9 of Revelation. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And these images remind us of God's plan, and it's been God's plans all along. Isaiah spoke of it hundreds of years before. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. There are going to be French there, that's for sure of rich food, of, uh, full of marrow, of aged wine, of course. They're, they're the French, they're, they're going to be happy about that one. That's why we're there to announce it. Of aged wine, well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken." This has been in the mind of God. This has been his plan all along. A wedding is a moment of secret union. This is the union of God and his creation in the new order. And there won't be anything like it. This is life together with God in love forever. In the end, this is the return of what God conceived in the Garden of Eden. God always present. He always present with us. That's, that was the design. That's what God intended, to be with us always. Between the fall of humanity in that garden and the inauguration of the new order that we see in this city, in this chapter here described, there's one thing that remains, and that's our second point. God's new order must be proclaimed here and now in the disorder. God's new order must be proclaimed here and now in the disorder. You know, did you see it? Jesus, in verses 5 through 8, speaks to the world in its present state, at least the state of the time when John takes down this revelation. It's a promising message, first and foremost. There's an invitation to receive true life. There's the water of life, and it's, it's available to all who will receive it. There's a promise of great inheritance for those who conquer, who overcome. It's also a message of warning to all who refuse the offer. And and we see those who refuse the offer in verse 8. The lifestyles of such are described there, and it's not pretty. And uh, among them, liars. There's a lot of nasty stuff in that list, but liars included. I don't know about you, but I'm not always an honest guy. And that really causes me pause. 
I don't want to not be honest, but my sinful nature is such that sometimes I am dishonest. And I read those verses and I say to myself, Lord, have mercy and confess my sins. The lifestyle of such is described in verse 8. The wage of such lifestyles is described, and it's a double death sentence. Terrible. Not only do you lose physical life, not only does it deprive you of physical life, but the second death deprives of spiritual life. And that's really true life. Ultimately, there'd be no physical life without spiritual life. There's no spiritual life without the presence of God, only torment. You want life without God? You're going to get what you're asking for. Torment. That's what it's about. Because life without God is not life. He's the author of life. It's ironic that the place of suffering for the second death, what is it described as? You want the body of water? Well, you have it right here. It's described as a lake. No sea, but this is the lake of fire where there is judgment. It's not pretty. No sea in this perfect order, in this new and perfect order, but a fearful body of water as the place of judgment. And we need to proclaim the reality of God's judgment in the world today, in the disorder. The stakes are high and clear for all who will listen. Because in that bad news, there's good news. Because the new order is coming, and it's been ushered in by the work of the Savior on the cross, who died for our sins, was buried, was raised to new life, and resurrected and we will have life who believe in his name. So the question, will the world heed the message? It doesn't seem like the world wants to heed the message, does it? Now, what is the weight that you, you give to a warning? This is to you. I want you to think about this. Put yourself in this thought process right now. Think about this. What is the weight that you give to a warning? Now, here we go. It all depends, you will say, on who gives the warning. Put yourself in this situation. Okay, ready? I'll stick with the car illustration. First situation, you're driving. You're going too fast. Or you're going fast. You're going too fast. You're going faster than the speed limit. Okay? Got yourself? You're you're there? Your spouse is in the car with you or your friend. And they call you out and they say, hey, you're going too fast. You're going over the speed limit. What do you do? You don't have to answer that question. Here's the second situation. You're driving, and you're going fast. You're going too fast. And then you see a sign, in our case in Europe, for a speed camera. Or you see a police officer with a speed detecting device. Will you slow down? Now, you don't have to answer the question. But I'll let you deal with your spouse or good friend if you're more likely to slow down in the second situation and not in the first. If you're more likely to listen because of what you see in regards to the authorities taking your speed limit. Everything depends on the authority of the person or people behind the instrument who give the warning. If you're sure of the authority's ability to make you pay, you usually obey. That's just the kind of world we live in. Now, did you see who gives the warning in this passage? Again, verse 8. It's Jesus. He's on the throne. His identity is clear. This is his identity. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Well, that says it all, doesn't it? 
Jesus addresses his message to the current order with absolute authority. What did he say before he left the world to his apostle? I have all authority. It's been given to me. I'll be with you. This book was written over 2,000 years ago. Jesus takes great pains to warn people to turn away from the way of death, from the disorder. And the warning stands today. And we need to be about making that warning clear through the good news and the proclamation of the good news of the gospel. As long as the new order is not established, and I don't know about you, I I think we, we all agree, the new order is not established yet because there's a lot of disorder. As long as the new order is not established, you know, that's actually good news for people that are living in disorder and don't realize that there's a new order coming, but that they can be part of it through the work of the Savior. As long as the new order is not established, there is hope for escaping God's judgment. And, and Peter says it, makes it perfectly clear. The apostle Peter says in his epistle, bear in mind that our Lord's patient means salvation. Why hasn't the disorder been taken care of yet? Because God is so patient. And he wants everyone to come to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Will it happen? Well, you know what the human heart's like, don't you? Unfortunately, not everyone will be. And that's why there'll be a lake of fire. Sober stuff. But that's the sober stuff of the foundation that we need to build our life upon in this disordered world so that we'll be well-placed to proclaim the order that's coming joyfully in the disorder. Because what we have is a message. It's called Evangile, gospel. You know what that means, gospel in Greek, good news. That's what it means. Jesus has entrusted us with this message of promise and warning. And we understand, like I said, the disorder of this present world and its order it's disorder we believe in the hope of the new order to come we carry the good news which can open entry wide into the order to come and we are called to proclaim it jesus nailed the power of the old order sin itself to the cross that's the center of history and it's done we'll say a word about that again in a moment jesus was victorious over the consequences of sin through his resurrection jesus is seated at the right hand of god and will come again to make all things new and he has the authority to do it It's very important to say something about the book of Revelation. It was written at a crucial time in the life of the early church. You see, John was writing to a comfortable church. No. John was writing to a content church. No. John was writing to a satisfied church. No. John was writing to a persecuted church. A scattered church. Life was not rosy. The best thing to see, and you know it if you've been in trials, the best thing to see when you're in hard trials, what is the best thing to see? And what does everyone tell you you should be looking for? Light at the end of the tunnel. And it's there. (laughs) The light shines in this chapter, and it shines so brightly. And that brings us to our last point. God's new order will be gloriously beautiful. Gloriously beautiful. I'm not going to interpret much. I'm just going to go through it. The crown jewel of this beauty is a city, the New Jerusalem. It's described both as a city and a bride. Boy, we can go a long way with that. This city is resplendent, a.k.a. it is very bright. In a dark world, that counts. 
She shimmers like a precious stone, verse 11. The glory of God illuminates her, verse 10 and 23. This is blinding light in any other circumstances. You wouldn't be able to look at it, but here it allows full sight of what God has just inaugurated. There is so much light from God that the sun and moon are not needed. The night is absolutely obsolete. Her glory illuminates the nations and she welcomes their glory. And if she is the church, think of what that means for the church being the light of the world. I'll stop there. This city is accessible. I love this. It has 12 gates. Verse 12. You'll never forget it. 12 gates, verse 12. They are open to the four corners, north, south, east, and west. That is like, that covers everything. These gates are never closed. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 25. Each gate has a single pearl. Verse 21. Pearls are rare and are forged over much time. That's why they're so expensive. And the entry into God's presence, though once rare, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see it, is no longer so. Access is open wide. You know, there was an angel posted in the garden's entrance after the fall. Stay out. Where are the angels posted here? At the entrance of these gates. Come on in. Isn't that amazing? Welcome. Because of what God has done in Christ. These gates are built on God's work through his people, Israel, the 12 tribes, from whom has come whom? The Messiah, Jesus. The city is well-founded. She's founded on the ministry of the 12 apostles. Paul said so much in one of his letters to the church when he said, according to the grace given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. She She is supported by what is precious, 12 layers which are solid and beautiful. I read all those stones. Did you know that each apostle, except for John, and he almost died a martyr's death, each apostle suffered a martyr's death? Their precious lives laid the foundation for the church today. And why did they lose their lives? Because of the disorder of this world and the disorder of this world that didn't want to receive the order of the world that comes through the gospel. No wonder why we read in the Psalm Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints because that lays the foundation for what God is doing to make everything new. Yeah, I know it's contradictory. It seems paradox, but there's a lot of paradox. The city is just the right size. Did you see it? Verse 17, she's conceived for mankind. These are human measurements, so this will fit us. You put this on, this will fit. Her incomparable sight will fit fit every one of the redeemed. She, she is shaped in the cube. She measures 2,200 kilometers. I, I, I think in kilometers now because we've been there 25 years. I don't think in miles very much anymore, so sorry about that. That's 12,000 stadia. There will be nothing like it. The city is transparently rich. I've never seen pure gold, let alone transparent gold, but it must be amazing. Verse 18. The wide streets are also of pure and transparent gold. Verse 21. I wonder if the song, maybe you've heard of her, Edith Piaf, La Vie en Rose. Have you ever heard that song, La Vie en Rose? Life through rose-colored glasses. Things look different when you see them through tinted lenses. It influences everything you see, and we, will, we have eyes now that see dimly. But I believe, I know, we will have eyes to see all the richness of God's person and work then. And boy, will it be beautiful. 
This is a sure and safe city. What's one thing that people are interested in when they're moving somewhere? Is it safe? Well, you won't have to worry about your neighbors in this city. This is a safe place. Nothing in clean, unclean will ever enter. The only people you will find will be good, and there will be no need to search for a good neighborhood because all the neighborhoods will be good. This city's beauty is tied directly to God's own presence, and really, that's really, that's the heart of it. Where God is, that's where beauty is. Where God is, that's where fulfillment is. Where God is, that's where life is. I can go on and on and God. Where he is, that's where it is. Everything you're looking for. And if you haven't found it, today is the day to say, that's the life I want. I want to know that God. And if you don't know that God, he's patient. And if you're still around, you better consider that his patience is probably there for a reason with you. And if you haven't trusted in him, in his finished work on the cross, today's the day to do so. And if you haven't believed that God raised him from the dead, today, whether you're here in person, online, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Don't let it go. Don't end this day without being right with God. Because this is the new order to come. And any other order is disorder. Paul spoke of things that no eye has seen or ears heard. He goes on to say that those are the things that God's spirit reveals. So if we're listening to the spirit, we'll, 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 we'll get it. Remember that John begins the book by saying, that is the book of Revelation, by saying that he's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. That's where we are, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. God can speak to us just as well today as he did to John in that day when he saw the Revelation. Why did God allow him to see it then? Why is God allowing it to see it, us to see it now? Because the church in a disordered world needs to see the order that God will bring at just the right time and forevermore. Jesus makes it clear. We see it in verse 5. Behold, the promise is there. I am making all things new. His promise will be fulfilled. He can say that because of verse 6. Did you read it? We didn't say much about it in the message. But what does he say there? It is done. That reminds me of what Jesus said on the cross before his, he breathed this last. Do you remember what he said on the cross before he breathed this last? It is finished. Boy, there's some similarities there, I think. And so here's the question. Are you trusting? I've already said it. Are you trusting today in his finished work to save you? That finished work is the only thing, the only thing that can prepare you for the new order to come, and it's coming. In fact, you can only be ready, you can only be ready for the new order to come if God is changing you now. If that's not happening, you're not going to be in the new order. You're you're not going to be welcome in the new order. Because changing you now means you're believing now. And today is the day of salvation. If you long for that change in the disorder, not only of the world, but the disorder of your life, God's promise is clear to all who will trust Jesus. For if anyone, this is what Paul says to the Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's already a reality. If you need light... At the end of the tunnel, today, in a disordered world, look no further than the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that will lead you to God's new order forevermore. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, you're so good. Oh, you're so wonderful and, and gracious and patient and merciful. And your word is so powerful. It gives us all that we need for life and godliness. It reveals Jesus Christ to us, the word of life. And we thank you for it. And Lord, we live in the disorder. We're part of the disorder if we're honest with ourselves. But you'll bring new order. You're doing it now as new creations when we believe in you, in us. And we thank you for that. And we pray that we can proclaim with boldness by the Holy Spirit the order to come through what you've done to upset the disorder and bring new life in Christ on the cross. Give us boldness to do so with joy, with hope, with love. In the name of the one who is to come, Jesus Christ. Amen.